It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. For the second week in a row, Missouri plays a football game that, frankly, we don't care a whole lot about. Missouri's at UConn. Brian's going to go to that. Have fun, Brian. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited. So Brian will be out in Connecticut, but uh, we thought this would be a good week, uh, good week to catch up on recruiting. We're going to hit both basketball and football. And first, from the great Northwest, we welcome in Rivals.com's Eric Bossy. What's up, Bossy? Hey, guys. How you doing? Not too bad. Appreciate you taking some time, man. And before we get to the recruiting stuff, uh, you were at the Sprint Center last weekend for – MUKU and just kind of uh, open-ended, man. What were your general impressions walking out of there? Um, I mean, for me as a basketball junkie, it was nice to be able to go watch a pretty highly competitive game in the middle of October. Yeah. You know, and obviously Kansas, Missouri, you've got the crowds. I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty good atmosphere. Um, you know, what kind of stuck out to me was that it was like. Both fan bases were into it, but there was never like the anxiousness of a tournament game where it's like, oh my right. God, if we lose this, the season's over. It's like everyone was just kind of having a good time with it. But I thought, you know, both sides played pretty well considering how early in the year it is and they probably don't have a lot of their stuff put in yet. And so, you know, it was good. So obviously, Missouri fans, I think you've been hearing about all these freshmen you're about to get and everything. And it looks pretty good. It certainly does not look like last year's team. Yeah. You, you mentioned the freshman, obviously Michael Porter Jr. is the, the top guy there. What, what were your impressions of his game? I know he struggled a little bit from the field, but still led the team in scoring, got to the line. Just Is that kind of what you'd seen from him at Nathan yeah, Hale, at know, Tolton? Yeah, you know, the, the only thing I thought he did was I thought he maybe settled a little too easily for the outside jump shot, but I'm sure a lot of that has got to do with some nerves and stuff like that. Um, you know, I thought that he could have posted up a lot more, and I think that's something that they'll work with him throughout the season. But I certainly didn't see anything where I'm like, oh, my God, what did I do ranking this kid number one? You know, <laughs> like, he, he 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 still looks like a stud to me. Um, but the, the real takeaway for me was I was um, I was shocked with the energy and the shape that Jeremiah Tillman is in, you know, we've heard all summer and and through the early fall about how great he's doing and stuff like that. And, you know, having watched him for four years in high school where that would be an exact opposite description (laughs) of of, of his work ethic and, and, you know, his kind of effort, you're you're skeptical, but then you see it in a grand, you know, it's it's a scrimmage game. So it's got to carry through to the season and everything, but, that was the one thing that I walked away like, wow, you know, Missouri's got to feel really good about where this kid is. I mean, and how good can he be if he, he uses all that athleticism, all that, that potential that he's had for a while that maybe he wasn't taking full advantage of? Yeah, you know, he, he can be a difference maker. You know, there's, there's, there's no reason he shouldn't be able to play in the NBA someday. And, you know, it's up to him how quickly he wants to get there. Yeah. Now, I don't think he's – a one and done guy, but he could he could maybe get there in two years if if he keeps going like he's going. That's kind of part of what I was going to ask. And first of all, my favorite Tillman play from that game by far was where he just like 
ran up to set a screen and body blocked a dude like nine yards down the court. I mean, that, that was amazing. Seven fouls in 13 minutes is great. But, um, but no, it, it, Porter sent all Missouri fans hearts a flutter a couple weeks ago when he said, you know, I might not be a one and done. I might stay. And yeah, you might. And I might, you know, get in shape and, and get all my hair back and everything too. But I, I mean, I said after that KU game, like, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's more likely Missouri has two freshmen go pro than that they have no freshmen go pro. Yeah, yeah, well, and I think the likely answer is they're going to have one. I right. think, uh, you know, I'm just as likely to have a Victoria's Secret model waiting for me at the front doorstep when I finish <laughs> this, this this podcast is – Michael Porter Jr. is due back for year number two. Yeah, and I mean, good luck. Let us know how that turns out for you, you know. Um, The other freshman... I'll I'll be sure to put it on Instagram. (laughs) It's sweet. The other freshman that I was... uh, Like, I kind of felt about Jonte Porter the way you did about Jeremiah Tillman. I mean, I watched him a lot this summer. I know you did too, and I kind of thought, I don't know how hard he plays. He likes to float around the three-point line. 12 rebounds. I, I was much more impressed with a kid that should be a senior in high school day one than I thought I was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Jonte, he, he looked a little lost at times, especially defensively. Um, and, you know, he is kind of a floater. And also, he has kind of one of those uh, kind of even countenances about him where yeah. you can never really tell if he's high or low or angry or happy. So, it's those guys sometimes I think – they're playing harder than you realize. They just don't show it because they're not screaming or acting like wild men, right. like some other guys do. Um, but the one thing he's got is he's, he's always had a high-level feel and kind of off-the-charts basketball IQ. And you see that because he seems to always be in the right place at the right time for rebounds. And that's just as much of rebounds is instinctual as it is physical. And he's got that, and he's going to be fine. And it's like you say, you know, I mean, this is a kid who – you know, he should be playing fall league with his high school basketball team right, right. now. And he was out there and, you know, slow start, ugly start really for the first half for him. But he played so well in the second half in my eyes. I was, I was pretty impressed with how he bounced back. Uh, despite having two point guards returning and Terrence Phillips and Jordan Geist, it looks like it's going to be the Blake Harris show right from the, right from the jump there. Um, what, what were your impressions of his play? I know I struggled from the foul line and, had some other issues, but I mean, you can, the athleticism is um, evident without doubt. And, and a, a guy that can, can make some, has a good feel for the floor and can make some, some passes. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Harris is an interesting one because he certainly has the physical tools, but, you know, I think it's going to take a while before Conza Martin and Missouri fans fully trust him mm-hmm. because he's, he's, he's does some things that'll make you scratch your head scratch your head every now and then it's like you know what was he thinking now i think it's a situation where sometimes he he likes to try and hit a grand slam instead of you know move the runner along Mm -hmm. sometimes and that's something that he's just going to have to learn with time but you know certainly to see him already out there and then then proclaiming him their guy i'm a little bit surprised that he's he's taking control of that early but i think it's pretty clear they want to play big and they want to play athletic and they want to play fast and you know you hear people say that especially when it's coming from a defensive minded coach like martin mm-hmm. you've never really seen that from to actually see it is is kind of like okay you know i'm i kind of buy into this now so i just want 
kind of uh, your take. We know how Bill Self feels. Everybody on this podcast knows how I feel. I mean, I walked away from that game going, there's really no reason that this shouldn't happen. I mean, frankly, I'd respect Bill Self if he just came out and said, they made me mad. I don't like him. I don't ever want to play again against him again. Shut up. But the reasons he's given don't really stand up for me. I mean, just basketball fan, a guy from Kansas City, uh, you know, what are your feelings on if you'd like to see that that game continue, whether it's a charity exhibition or actually, God forbid, maybe they play in a game that counts sometimes? You know, well, the first thing is I wonder – how come the SEC and Big 12 can't make that happen in the SEC Big 12 Cause, Challenge? Because Bill Self them? probably won't let them. Like, I'm not joking. I really assume <laughs> yeah, that's it. I know, which is which is crazy that he has that kind of power that he can tell the conference no. You yeah. know, so He can't tell the NCAA um, tournament no, though. No, no, no. And I'm sure they'll... I'm sure they'll try and do it if they can, as they, they certainly jumped on the chance to match them up at Wichita State a couple of years ago. Um you know, I, I thought it was cool. It's fun. And, you know, surely I think it'd be cool to have it every year. If not every year, maybe, you know, every couple of years or something like that. Because I think part of what made that such a cool atmosphere was that it hadn't been done for a while. You know, mm-hmm. they hadn't played in Kansas City for 20 years. They hadn't played period since, what was that, 2012 was the last time they played? Yeah, 2012 and Lawrence was the last game. Yeah, actually, I actually – Attended that game with Mike Dixon's dad. Phenomenal game. Um, yeah, we were we were in we were in literally the last row of Allen Fieldhouse up in the corner. I, I had a press um, pass and I was in like the third to last row. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I I'm familiar with that extra pass area. So yeah, it would be cool. But you know, also, I don't know. If, if I was Missouri, I'd kind of be like, you know what, I'm done with right. pushing this. You know, because it it can come off looking a little desperate. If you're not careful, and I don't think Missouri, you know, the whole thing is Bill Self has been saying Kansas doesn't need this game, I, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't do anything you know, for Kansas. Obviously, yeah, their fans don't care it about help it. Us. So, <laughs> so you know, at some point, if you're Missouri, going to be like, be like, well, we we don't care either. It doesn't do anything for us either. Right. You know, flip it, you know, on it. So, you know, I, obviously, though, the majority of people would like to see it, but. I don't think it's happening anytime soon, barring a real change of mind out of Bill Self. Right, right. Or when he takes the job with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, no. yeah, <laughs> um, or the Spurs. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're talking to Eric Bossy, Rivals.com national analyst. Uh, E-Boss, we'll get you out of here in a couple minutes, but got to ask you just kind of uh, recruiting-wise. I mean, I have said for a while it looks to me like nothing else will happen with Missouri before the early signing period, which is two or three weeks away, unless – it's somehow Cartier Gordon or Courtney Ramey. Uh, do you have any idea or any update on what's kind of going on with those kids or what you expect out of them in November? Yeah, um, I, I don't expect Courtney to do anything, at least not based off of my last conversation with his father. I think, um, you know, they, they want to take their time and, and look around and make sure everything's right. Um, you know, he was pretty hurt with having to decommit from Louisville. His heart was really set on that. You know, that kid was living Louisville. So now that with everything that went on there and him opening back up, I think I think they want to take their time because the thing they want to make sure on is they don't want to commit somewhere and then find out that it's a playing style that's not a fit for him or have a coach move again and then be like, oh, what do I do now? Right. So, 
I think they're going to be a little cautious. You know, the Cartier thing was was certainly interesting for a while, and you know, people could say whatever they want. That kid was absolutely very shaky in his recruitment, super shaky, like, and it was him putting that out there. It was people out there, you know, close to him putting him out there, you know, even though they wouldn't acknowledge it publicly, it was definitely a shaky thing. Um, And he's, he's a different kid. He's one of those kids that if if there was someone to do something like sign with a different school than the one he's committed to on signing day, Cartier would yeah. be it's near the top of my list as someone capable of doing that. Um, but it it seems, at least for now, that he's locked in the slope. And to me, I mean, if November, if the early signing period, the only thing that probably happens with him is he signs with SLU. Like if that comes and goes and he doesn't sign with SLU, then to me it's, it's kind of, hey, Missouri looks like they're in the driver's seat, right? Yeah, if, 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 he, if, he, if he for some reason doesn't sign here and, and the signing period begins November 8th, um, if he doesn't sign, then something's clearly up. Yeah. And, you know, now we get to have a fun winter of speculation. D- 2019 moving to on is a, a big year in the region, it seems like. You got the guys in Kansas, uh, Robinson Earl and um, Malik Hall. And then the guy... Isaiah Mosley in Columbia, um, guys in St. Louis with um, McKinney and E.J. Liddell and Mercedes Leach down in the southeast. I mean, just it, it looks like Missouri and other schools in the region could just make hay off of guys that are in the Midwest in the 2019 class. How good is is that is that class in the region and, and kind of compared to recent classes that, around here? It's good. You know, uh, the gold standard to me is always going to be the Brad Beal, Ben McLemore, Otto Porter class. I mean, that, that's tough. Mizzou fans' favorite <laughs> class ever. <Aaron. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just talking in terms right. of, of, of local kids, right. obviously. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not the Missouri fans' favorite class. Yeah. But it's good. You know, 2019, if we were to compare it to, you know, other classes in the past, is, is just a kind of an average to – probably even a little bit below average class nationally. Mm-hmm. 2018 is kind of the same way as well. But it is it is pretty good in the Midwest. Just just the Midwest in general is fairly strong. You know, you mentioned the guys that are in Kansas and Missouri, and we didn't even mention Zach Harvey among those guys. who's mm-hmm. a, a top 35, top 40 guy over in Topeka. Um, you know, it's good local. And, and the whole thing we've talked about since, since Zoe took the job is, Okay, what about all these kids who are ranked where Mercedes or Mercedes Lynch is or uh, Mario McKinney? You know these top fifty, top seventy-five, top one hundred guys that for fifteen years didn't go to Missouri. You know, it's like you understood missing out on a Jason Tatum or Brad Beal or whoever. You know, a top five, top ten guy, but you know when other guys weren't weren't going. You know, when Xavier Sneeds or Tyler Cooks won't won't give Missouri the time of day, then then that's worrisome. Right. But it seems like they're starting to really turn it around with these type of guys, and I think that you're going to see them starting to get some of these dudes. All right. Well, Bossy, appreciate it, man. I know you're on vacation, getting a little downtime before signing day and the season and all that, so appreciate you taking some time and uh, hey. enjoy the trip. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on, and we'll, uh, we'll go have some fun there. Believe it or not, it is a – 
there is no rain in the forecast nice. now on Sunday when we go home. So come it's on, a, a, are, a pretty rare Seattle. Trip. Are, are yeah. you sure you went to Seattle? Did you like take a wrong turn somewhere? <laughs> yeah, no. I, I'm, I'm hey, you know, I'm going to the Huskies UCLA game okay. on Sunday, and the forecast is for 64 degrees and sun. I'm, I don't think you can get much more perfect than that for a game day in Seattle. Are you going to use a boat to get to the game? That's one of the best things about Husky Stadium. Yeah, no, I, I wish we could, but I, I don't think my uh, I don't <laughs> not think in the my year old niece I'm going with has one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Bossy, appreciate it, man. Have a good weekend. Thanks, right, Eric. Take care, guys. All right, Eric Bossy, Rivals.com, national basketball recruiting analyst, and wanted to get his take. I was actually kind of surprised when I saw him at the Sprint Center on on Sunday, and and he wrote a story that that we put on our site mm-hmm. from that, and uh, yeah, so I mean, he pretty much covered it. Yeah, I mean, Bossy does a great job for this network for all the Mizzou fans. I know recruiting hasn't been uh, the the uh, that fun to cover, maybe in or in to follow years, that far to follow right. in yeah in the recent years. But it it looks like it's going to change, and that 2019 class has a chance to be really good, stocked with a lot of guys yep. from around the area that people. Well, no, because they've seen them play. Yeah. They've been around. And even getting into 2020, Caleb Love, uh, Hargroves out mm-hmm. of out of the uh, Illinois side. Yeah. I mean, look, we have said it for years, not in football, but in basketball, this area has enough talent, if you get it, to be a top 25 team every year. And we're going to find right. out if Conzo Martin can do that. We now turn our attention to football recruiting and welcome in Rivals.com Southeast analyst Chad Simmons and uh, the news now, just minutes ago, what we have expected at least for 24 hours and maybe a little bit longer, James Foster, quarterback out of Alabama, no longer a Mizzou commit. Chad, you talked to him, so what's the story? You know, I think we all kind of suspected this, you know, at least the last few days, if not the last few weeks. You know, Foster's always been, even when he committed, you know, said that he would, you know, look at other schools, explore other options. And there wasn't always too many schools that deeply involved with him, but things have picked up in recent weeks. You know, started talking to Florida State a lot more. They may be close to offering. LSU offered him 24 hours ago. He's talking a lot to Louisville. And obviously combining that with Missouri's, you know, question marks as far as this season goes, uh, I think we all kind of saw it coming. He just basically said to me when he – told me about his decision to decommit was he just wants to explore other options. He feels he may have some better options in his words. So uh, no real surprise. You know, I think if I had to maybe put a a front runner, you know, right away, I might give it the edge to Louisville. But if Florida State offers, watch those guys very much. Any chance at all he ends up signing with Missouri, you think? Uh, I, I would say no right now. I mean, anything's possible. I think Obviously, he has coaching staff concerns if things stay intact there at Missouri. I mean, if things do, uh, maybe there's a chance that he does go back if he feels better about the stability of the program. But right now, just the way he's talked the last few days to me, uh, leading up to this decision, I would say no right now. And obviously, Chad, I mean, it's not just Foster. Cam Taylor yesterday, LaDedrick Jackson a couple weeks ago. I mean, I think at this point, it's fair to – I mean, Tank Jenkins is still out there at one point it seemed like Missouri was going to sign seven or eight guys out of Alabama. I mean, I tell me if I'm wrong, I'd expect that number to be zero. Yeah, as of right now, it looks that way. It really does. I mean, I'm with you. Uh, I thought the same, even with guys like Tank and even Ja'Cory Hawkins at one time out of Missouri. Uh, I'm out of Ari Montgomery, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I saw them very much involved in that area right there in central Alabama. 
Uh, but yeah, right now uh, it looks pretty bleak there in that area now with the with the season the way it's gone and just these kids now starting to flip, you know, decommit one by one. Um, they're running out of players, and I don't think Missouri is near as high on Tank Jenkins' list now as it once was either. Switching to some good news, maybe you had a story the other day on uh, um, Georgia offensive lineman Josh. I'm probably going to mess up his last name. Easy Udu, maybe um, has Missouri. Yeah, I mean, you said that pretty right. Yeah. Okay. He has Missouri in his top three. What what have you seen from him watching him play and, and kind of what kind of player, if Missouri is able to get a commitment from him, would they be getting? Uh, I mean, I really think whoever signs Izudu is going to likely get a steal in this class. He's a kid that, uh, you know, very quiet. And I'll just kind of give a little bit of scoop on him. He headed up over the late in the summer in July to with planning to commit to, to Minnesota. He took a trip with his family all the way up from Georgia to Minnesota mm-hmm. And it just so happened on that same day, two offensive linemen committed before he did, and that filled their spots at that right. position. So it kind of worked out uh, in a bad way for him per se, but in a very good way for other schools to get involved. I watched him play earlier in the year. He plays for the number one team in the state right now, Archer High School. Uh, they have a great group of players, great coaching staff. The kid has legit, you know, I would say SEC size with a 6'5", 300-pound frame. A uh, very smart kid, a kid that works hard. And I think right now Missouri is very much in this race. You mentioned schools like UConn, Syracuse. You know, I think at this point his plans are to take official visits to all three schools uh, and then make a decision. We'll see if anybody else comes in and, and offers in the next few weeks. But And that wouldn't surprise me either. But at this time he even said that that's his plan. But if he went to the right school and felt that at the right moment, he could commit at any time. So, uh, I think Missouri's obviously worked pretty hard to get him on campus, you know, mm-hmm. sooner than later, and uh, and see what happens there. What do you see him projecting as a, in the uh, at college? Is he is he going to be a guard or a tackle? You think and left side, right side? Yeah, I like him probably to start out as a right right tackle. Uh, you know, could he play guard? Yes, but I think again, you know, he, he could be a guy that that's a steal for somebody in this class. I watched him play, and I was in the field and. Uh, the kid has that edge to him. He plays nasty. It's the first time I've seen him play football in pads, you know, in a live game uh, in high school. I've watched him at multiple camps. I've seen him at practice a few times. But he definitely showed me something more about a month and a half ago when I watched him play early in the season, uh, just about his footwork, his tenacity, his toughness, you know, that edge. He actually got, you know, a, a flag on a personal foul. Uh, just playing late after the whistle blew. And I kind of like that, seeing him being a, such a quiet kid. You kind of wonder just just what's going on between the between the ears, how much fight he has in him. And to see that mm-hmm. edge, that toughness, that aggression, I love that out of him. Uh, and then they, Missouri also extended an offer to Kamari Thompson, wide receiver out of Central Gwinnett. Um, have you had a chance to see much from him? What 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 kind of player is he? Well, it's funny because he actually transferred over in the offseason from – is Zudu School Archer to Central Gwinnett because he wasn't getting a lot of playing time. And he, number one and foremost, he, he's a track star. He's a guy that has the speed. He actually took a year off from football in high school, his sophomore year, okay. came back, didn't play a whole lot uh, last year. Uh, and then now, the, the, minute they, the minute he transferred over to Central, they had a couple of 707s. He kind of had that buzz around Atlanta and mm-hmm. uh, a kid to go check out and He's still obviously extremely raw as a football player, as a wide receiver, needs to improve on the perimeter blocking, the route running, expanding his route tree. But 
there's no denying that the kid can run. He has very good size. He's explosive. I think he's a pretty natural pass catcher. Uh, again, he could go in that same kind of category as being a steal for somebody because of his upside. He hasn't even tapped into his football potential. You see him go up and get the football. You see him run past people. And, you know, I think right now, uh, you know, Purdue's in there, a school to watch. Missouri's mm-hmm. obviously one to watch. He's hearing from a lot of different schools like the Notre Dames, uh, University of Georgia, Florida, Auburn. All are showing interest, just no offers have been extended yet. So we'll see kind of as we go into this next month, two months, to see who else throws their name in that hat. Talking with Chad Simmons, Rivals.com, Southeast Analyst, who's been covering recruiting in that area of the country for a long, long time. And uh, Chad, I want to go big picture here with you and uh, tell me if you agree with this. I've said, you know, when Missouri was in in the Big 12, they largely got their their recruiting classes going by getting kids out of Texas, the Texas and Oklahoma, and and probably A&M didn't offer. Um, now they seem to have taken somewhat the approach in Georgia, Alabama, Florida, all that of, of kind of taking the same approach. My issue with that has always been if you're offering a kid from Alabama or Florida, you know, he literally has to pass every other SEC school on his way to Columbia, Missouri. So when you're in the Big 12, you're talking about offering a kid that maybe two or three other schools passed on. When you're talking about some of these kids Missouri's trying to get, they're largely trying to, to win in the SEC with schools that 10 to 12 other schools aren't offering. And I'm not sure that's a, an approach. I've always said I thought Missouri should go more into Big Ten territory. I mean, can Missouri be successful trying to recruit down there or not? Well, I think it's, I think it's much, I would say, easier to be successful if you recruit more in Georgia than Alabama. You know, once you reach that, you know, 15, 20 mark, maybe even 25 in some years as far as top players in that state, there's a pretty significant drop-off. You know, mm-hmm. obviously Alabama – and Auburn are going to always pursue the best. And nine times out of ten, those kids are going to pick one of those two schools to stay home. Now, Georgia, where I live, has been, you know, just growing and expanding the list, you know, of BCS players, BCS prospects, now signing up to around 250, you know, per cycle in that BCS group, where it used to be 150 when I first started or, you know, early years in this industry for me about, you know, 12, 13 years ago. So I do think there's plenty, you know, everybody talks about Georgia under even Mark Riggs and now Kirby Smart about keeping the best at home. It's impossible. You know, you're you're talking about the 100th best player in the state sometimes signing with Auburn or South Carolina uh, or even Florida. You know, so I mean, that the, the depth in Georgia, without question, I think allows Missouri to dip into Georgia much more and much more often to compete for that level of player than it is with Alabama. So I don't think they're really doing anything wrong, per se. I've had so many college coaches tell me that I've met over the year, if they had, you know, can take 25 in a class and they have 24 committed and they had to pick a kid that was very similar from Florida, from Georgia, or from somewhere in the South area, they'd pick Georgia every time just because of the competition, the high school coaching, the way kids come out prepared for college, so I think Missouri's doing the right thing, trying to get those type of kids. Now, you can't go all in and just try to get a couple and try to get maybe the leftovers on that back end of, you know, 150 to 250 type of kid. you got to go up there and compete for that, maybe not the elite of the elite, but that next one down that a lot of other SEC schools are going after, too. If you can get a few a year, I think that'll help you long term. Payne Durham's another recent uh, offer out of Georgia for Missouri. I, I know he he's a guy that – um, on his rivals profile, Missouri's list is the only offer, and I think maybe the only interest. He's a 
from what I've understood, he's a really good lacrosse player. He's got great size, a lot of upside potential. Uh, maybe not top end speed, but a guy that um, is looked at as a guy that could fit well in at tight end of Missouri. Do you know much about him? Have you had a chance to see see him play? Not much. There's not a lot out there on him. Like you mentioned, I mean, he's a, he's obviously a football kid, and I'm sorry, lacrosse guy, and mm-hmm. football's kind of you know, started to just uh, emerge for him. So, obviously, he's kind of a still unknown uh, guy from a evaluation standpoint. Definitely going to watch some film on here pretty soon. I haven't heard his name mentioned a whole lot. So, obviously, Missouri had to like a lot of what they saw. Right. He'll be a name we obviously track here moving forward. All right, Chad, we want to finish you up, just kind of bring it back full circle. And uh, should have asked you this earlier, but I didn't. Uh, with the James Foster news, now, look, obviously, if he ends up at LSU or Florida State, you know, uh, they – Obviously, not a lot of Missouri fans even are going to be surprised about the decommitment. But the thing that has caught a lot of people's eyes is he's got an official visit to Illinois. Um, did that one strike you as, I, I mean, I, hey, Missouri's not having a good year. If you're decommitting because of that, that makes sense. But to visit one of the few Power 5 schools who might actually be having a worse year, I, I think kind of uh, raise some eyebrows. No, I'm with you. Uh, I think that is surprising. And, and we'll see if that visit actually takes place, you know how it goes with these kids. I mean, yeah, they tell one coaching staff one thing and talk about it in the media, but you know, that's his birthday weekend. Uh, they came in and they, they've offered him a while back. They also actually have, already have a quarterback committed uh, from out here in Georgia. So in uh, Cordell Littlejohn, so it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously Lovey Smith you know, has that NFL pedigree. Like you said, though, they're not having the greatest year on the football field. And it would not surprise me to see that visit either get pushed back or even canceled all the way. You know, obviously with LSU coming in, uh, again, you know, if Alabama makes that push, they're still trying to definitely sign a quarterback. Uh, they've missed on a lot of guys, but I think James is probably fourth or fifth, you know, in their pecking order right now, so not really pushing for him at the moment. But, you know, if FSU gets involved, Louisville, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that visit never happened, but it, it is a very odd, you know, school to be linked up with James at this time. Yeah, all right. Well, Chad, appreciate it, man. You have uh, helped us a lot this year with uh, with all the kids that Missouri has recruited down there. And uh, I don't know, at this point, we may not talk to you the rest of the year. But... <laughs> well, I, ho- I hope you talk about something. I hope maybe some new names emerge. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. All right, appreciate it, Chad. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Chad. man. All right. Th- all right, Chad Simmons. Uh, he was trying to thank us. He almost got there before Brian cut him off. But whatever. We need a new producer for this podcast, I think. Anyway, uh, like, hey. James Foster decommitting, like, I'm not trying to say it's not bad news. It's obviously bad news, mm-hmm. but it's not, like, unexpected news. We've we've no. seen this coming for, if not a week or two, at least a day or two. I mean, yeah, when that LSU offer came down, the, the whole thing before was no one else, like Chad said, was really showing a ton of interest. Uh, Missouri was was the favorite because they not because they're the only school there but it, that kind right. of was it and especially quarterback schools start to fill up right yeah you're only taking one maybe two and when you take two it's usually one high level guy and then maybe a guy that's lower level that you think maybe could develop into something when other schools started getting involved it was the writing was kind of on the wall he uh i mean missouri will turn its attentions to someone else now they're going to need they need a quarterback yeah. in this class you want to get one in every class essentially and it'll be interesting to see where they go there there any i mean i know on the board people talk about caleb ellaby i i don't see any way that happens like, look That's, they've evaluated him for a year and right. he doesn't have an offer and 
and he's committed to a max school, I believe. I know it lists offers from Iowa State. Western and, Michigan. Yeah, I mean, if those schools had really offered, if he had committable offers to those schools, he wouldn't be committed to Western Michigan. No, I mean, in all likelihood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all, all like unless, yeah, in all likelihood. So it it'll be interesting to see where they go. Maybe junior college. It, yeah, yeah, who I knows? Mean, it, at this point, guys, we don't know what the backup plan is. There, I, I'm sure there is a backup plan. This right. is not like. Trust me, this did not floor the Missouri coaching right. staff that James Foster decommitted today. There's no way they are surprised by that because I'm not surprised by it. You're not surprised by it. So they knew there will be a backup plan. Now, what is that backup plan going to be? We don't know. And, and I kind of want to finish this up before we'll give a prediction on the football game at the end of this. <laughs> but I, I kind of want to finish this up because I, I wrote about this this morning. Like, look, James Foster decommitting is not what's going to get Barry Odom fired, if that happens. Cam Taylor decommitting is not what's going to get Barry Odom fired. And the best example, a few years ago, a kid named Demarie Mixon decommitted. And people were really excited about him. Like, he's going to be a good defensive end. Decommitted, went to Nebraska. Sky's falling, all that. Missouri replaced him on signing day with a kid we'd never heard of named Charles Harris. Now, that's not to say that the replacement for James Foster is going to be a first-round NFL draft pick. That is not at all my point. That we've never heard of ever. My my point is, sometimes the replacements turn out to be better players. Sometimes they don't. Like, maybe every guy that has decommitted from Missouri is going to win a Heisman Trophy in his college career. And maybe every guy that has decommitted from Missouri is never going to play football on the field in college. The point is you don't fire coaches based on good or bad recruiting classes by the judgment of Rivals.com. Right. I I can't imagine that's – I mean, maybe Stirk looks at recruiting buzz a little bit, but I can't imagine it's like like number 99. I'll say this. If, if, if firing Barry Odom because of where his class ranks on Rivals.com ever enters Jim Stirk's <laughs> mind, he should not be the athletic director right. at Missouri. It's it's these last five games they have. How right. many of them they win? That's how many of them they win. How many to. they're competitive in? Right. Uh, you know, like ticket sales a little bit. I'm sure. Li- yeah, that like does that. factor in. But like, look, they lose to Connecticut. I think Odom's probably gone, regardless mm-hmm. of what. Because look, if you lose to Connecticut, you're not winning the last four games of the year. Um, you know, if if he gets to like if he wins out, he's obviously staying. If he right. gets to six. I think he's most likely staying, but I mean, what if you get to six and you beat Connecticut, Vandy, Arkansas, and uh, Tennessee by like three points and Florida beats you by 47? Right. I, you know, it, it is about the product on the field, what it looks like. It's not just a win total figures in. It's not just a win total. The product on the field, how many people are watching it, and does Jim Sterk believe Barry Odom has this thing going in the right direction? If he does... He's going to keep him regardless of what message boards want. And if he doesn't, he's going to lose his job. It's no more no more difficult yeah, it, than that. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry, and we've been telling people that from the get-go. And I know it's it's fun to talk about. Fans love to get right. on there and have their voice heard and make their opinion known. And it's it's what we have a site for. It's, it right. creates good traffic and uh, a lot of mean I comments mean, back and forth between anonymous, anonymous people. And Yeah, like I'm not telling you, I will never tell you to not pay attention to, work, to recruiting. We are very glad you do. <laughs> but take it for what it is. It is a middle-aged male soap opera. Because if right. it really was indicative of what was going to happen, if it cost coaches jobs, like, Sean Weatherspoon would have played in the Mid-American Conference and Gilbert Moye would have been a first-round NFL draft pick. Right. You know, I mean, it, it just, 
who knows, man, on an individual level, again, the point is Barry Odom is not getting fired because Cam Taylor or James Foster decommitted. Doesn't mean he won't get fired, but that's not even going to be on the list of reasons why. So Brian takes off for Hartford, Connecticut tomorrow. Missouri plays Connecticut. I don't know, Brian, what's going to happen? Um, I think Missouri will win. Um, that Connecticut defense is pretty bad. Awful. And uh, especially bad in pass defense. And Drew Locke makes a few throws every game that you're like, oh. But then, I mean, he makes a lot of throws where you're like, dang. That yeah. guy, you can see why Ralph think Ralph Russo thinks he might be a first-round pick and stuff like that. I mean, it's uh, – the, those receivers they have, Jamon Moore, Emmanuel Hall, I mean, they should be able to the tight, end. tight ends that yeah. apparently no one can cover. Um, it, I I feel like sure. it'll probably be a, I don't know, 40-something to 20-something, something like that. Yeah, they're going to put up points. I picked Missouri 58 to 28. Yeah, so. 42-21 sounds good to me. I'll go with that. There you go. There's going to be a lot of points. They should win. They're going to come back here at 4-5. and five. And then they're going to have the four-game stretch and that's going to determine what's going to happen. Yeah, decided in November. No question. Florida, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Arkansas. That's what's going to decide things. So uh, appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, this week we kind of wanted to touch on recruiting on, on both sides. And uh, next week we'll get back a little heavier into into football previews. Obviously they play games that are, are going to generate a little bit more interest. And uh, basketball season now 15 days away, so we'll probably start talking a lot of that too. So Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.